Good morning and God's blessing to each of you. It's been many years since I was here. I have no recollection of what it might be. I tell the brethren that these COE trips just kind of all morphed together and uh, I, I lose track of who I traveled with and what year it was and all of that. I am from West Virginia, although I sometimes say in introduction that my speech does not yet betray me. I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And 23 years ago, my wife and I and a few of our children were commissioned to go to West Virginia in a church planting and have lived there ever since. I'm a part of Berea Bible Fellowship, and we take that theme verse to search the scriptures daily to see whether those things are true and then attempt to live out what Jesus has called us to do in the times in which we live. We are on a trip for Christian Light, having started in Nebraska uh, earlier last week, uh, coming through uh, Salk Center. And then yesterday we stopped at Grove City, visited the school there, and then between Grove City and here we stopped at Altoona Hutterite Colony. I always find those colonies fascinating. I have a number of friends in those colonies, and I'm going to use that as a jumping off point for for the message this morning. Uh, I have here in my hand a piece of pottery. And I've always been intrigued by pottery. I don't know if you are. But one of the teachers there at the school has a small pottery room, I guess. She has a potter's wheel right there in the school. And she kind of uses it as a stress reliever. to spin that wheel and that clay and and make it into a whatever she feels like making. When this was a lump of clay, she formed a dish. And now I have it in my hand, uh, quite substantial. And so today I would like for us to look at the potter and the vessel. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18. I won't get to that right away. But as, as we think of the concept of pottery, I'm especially um, challenged at times at the spiritual lessons that we can get out of just a, a piece of pottery, whether it's a bowl, whether it's a vase, uh, whatever it uh, is. And as, as we look at this, this bowl here in my hand and, and try to imagine what this is made of, it's actually made just of a lump of clay. And, and I'd like for us to think of ourselves as that lump of clay. When you think of the creation where, where God there, uh, you know, for the rest of creation, it's usually God spoke and it happened. But when God created Adam, it says he, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. And for today's lesson, I would like to say he formed him out of clay. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so I'd like to liken the creation as a part of pottery. You know, God, when he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, something happened. And Adam became a living soul. So this morning I'd like for us to look at where we are in the hands of the potter. 
We are all here this morning just as, sorry, dirty lumps of clay. We have nothing to offer of ourselves. Dirty lumps of clay. What can lumps of clay do? Well, before I go too far, I'll simply say lumps of clay. Sorry, I'm in farming territory, am I not? Lumps of clay in and of themselves are are worthless for my illustration this morning. And so as we think about it, what can we do? And so as we think of pottery and we think of the the, the wheel, uh, I'd like for us to, to think of ourselves on that wheel this morning, going round and round and round and round, just a dirty lump of clay going in circles. There's three major factors that I'd like for us to investigate this morning in the art of making a good piece of pottery. First of all, you have the potter. And she's not with us this morning, and I'm not a potter. But the spiritual application is that God himself is a potter. And then we have the clay. The clay that made up this bowl. And the third major factor, and we don't want to hear this one, is fire. Fire. We'll take a little time to look at all three of these to get a more complete picture. So first we'll begin with the potter. In the making of the pottery, the potter, first of all, needs to have a goal in mind. Now when this teacher made this bowl, she had a goal of this bowl. And as she turned this on the wheel, guess what? It didn't turn out into a vase or a pitcher or anything like that. It turned into a bowl. Because that was her goal for that one particular lump of clay. A bowl. And that's what it turned out to be. And so the potter needs a pattern. He needs a vision. He has to be able to picture in his mind the finished product. And so God, as the master potter, has a vision and a goal for every one of us. He has a vision and a goal for you. He wants you to turn out to be the completed product that he has in mind for you in his kingdom. From the youngest child here to the oldest of us. God has a goal. God has a vision for every one of us. So that goal, going back again, as I did in the opening, to that um, original creation, I'll read it in entirety this time. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, I read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I won't get into that this morning, but that is so black and white that some people don't get it. Male and female created he them. Two genders. I call attention to other main facts of these verses. First of all, the master potter designed us 
after Himself. That was His pattern. We are created in the not just the image, but in the likeness of God. And I know theologians have grappled with that for generations. And I confess, we still probably don't have the answer, unless someone here has it. Uh, we three in the team, if you can imagine three teachers traveling together for hours, some of the discussions that we might get into. We, we, we entered this one briefly. We never dug very deeply. What is the image and likeness of God? I think we're going to leave, you know, that kind of brings uh, a lot of mystery as to how are we in that image. I realize that image was marred, was broken. This isn't mine, it belongs to Brother Norwood, but I don't think it would take very much for me to drop that and, and, and break it. And that's what happened in the fall of man. It was, it was broken. The pattern that God had was broken. And he took Calvary's cross to put that back together again. Which reminds me of a, a Japanese art, I believe it is, that takes a broken piece of pottery and glues it together and they put gold in all the cracks. I won't try and tell you the name of that art, but after it is put back together, it is worth more than it was before it was broken. And there's a spiritual lesson there as well. When, when, when the blood of Jesus puts us back together, gathers up the broken pieces of the shattered piece of pottery off the concrete floor, and he puts us back together, we are more beautiful than we were before we were broken. But we have to be broken first. Man and woman were created special, far superior to any of the rest of the creation, because we alone of the creation are created in the image and likeness of God. And again, I'll leave that mystery unsolved this morning. I'll let you grapple with that one. But the potter had a plan. He had a blueprint as he took that lump of clay named Adam formed a man, and I can imagine God got down on his hands and knees, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I read that in Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Yes? You and I have been formed out of the dust of the earth. And for my illustration this morning, we've been formed out of a dirty lump of clay. As we ponder about the clay and see how we can best be used by God, we must first establish the fact that God is in control. And he does with the clay as it pleases him. As it pleases him. It is not our choice what he does with us. We studied in Sunday school this morning a crisis. Various of us have gone through various crises in life. 
Maybe you're in the midst of a crisis right now. I don't know. But God is in control. And it's our choice. That part he will not take from us. We have a choice whether we will go along with his plan for us or not. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art the potter, thou art our father, and we are the clay. Thou art our potter, and we are all the work of thine hand. Isaiah 29 verse 16, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as a potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? Speaking to the children a little bit. Probably all of us, as children growing up, sooner or later had something we didn't like about ourselves. The shape of my nose, my ears stick out, I don't like my hair. I'm too short. I'm too tall, too skinny, too broad. But we are made by the potter, as he decided to make. For a change of position, stand with me as I read the word in Jeremiah chapter 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. I'll repeat that phrase. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. You may be seated. What, what is the Lord saying? What is the potter saying to Prairie Mennonite Church? To each family here, to each youth, to each child, the grandparents, probably some great-grandparents here, what is God saying to us here this morning? And remember, he wrought a work on the wheels, but he also talked then about, in verse 4, of the vessel being marred in the hand of the potter. I'll read in Romans 9.21, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, and another unto dishonor. Second Timothy 2.21 If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know, this bowl could just as well serve you a dessert as it could become a dog bowl. And you know, sometimes we stumble over those big words like sanctification. 
But sanctification simply means set apart for something. And so if I use this as a dog bowl, it will be sanctified for the dog. If I use it to serve you a dessert, it will be sanctified to serve you ice cream with a caramel topping. Now don't switch them back and forth. So we looked at the potter. Let's look next at the clay. And this morning I'm simply reminded again of what we are. A lump of clay. Simply lumps of clay. From the oldest to the youngest, we are lumps of clay. From the parents to the children, all of us need to make an application to this lesson. So God, the master potter, is in the business of preparing the clay for his use. As Jeremiah 18.4 says, As seemed good to the potter to make it. It's up to him. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. I like to look now at the clay. And three things about the clay. First of all, for clay to turn into a bowl like this, to be put on the potter's wheel, it must be pliable. Can't be hard. Must be pliable. I believe the most valuable asset that any of us can offer to the master potter is to be pliable. And that has to do with the ability to be molded and shaped and made into whatever is best for his use in the kingdom, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. And this requires us to be soft, to be pliable under his loving hands as we spin on that potter's wheel. Repenting of all sin, Repenting of my pride and coming to God broken in humility. Coming in complete surrender. God is right now here among us looking at our hearts. What is your heart like? You know, the prophets talk about God taking out a stony heart and giving us a soft, pliable heart of flesh. How is your heart this morning? Is my heart hard and filled with pride? Or is it soft and humble? Am I stubborn and set in my ways? Unworkable in the church or the school or the family? Or am I broken and surrendered before him? Can I allow God to use me? Number two, in addition to being pliable, and it's so closely related, I could have used this one first, and that has to do with moisture. Clay to be turning into something on the wheel has to have moisture. Not too much, not too little. God finds it very hard to to use a heart that has dried up. Do you feel dry and empty this morning? How is your heart dried up and shriveling away? 
You know, we often think of the Holy Spirit as oil. And oil keeps things smooth, soft, pliable. Oil that softens, oil that rejuvenates, oil that brings gladness to the heart. Hebrews 1.9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The oil of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be pliable. And we need to have the right moisture. But maybe number three is the one that hits me the hardest. And when the potter takes a lump of clay and throws it on the wheel, that's an expression they use, throws it on the wheel and the wheel starts spinning, that clay needs to be completely empty of all foreign objects. Why? Each little pebble, each little grit, tiny stones wreak havoc on the lump of clay. I can't spin this this morning, but... Think of this spinning around and then the potter's hands shaping it. So maybe a little stone comes up on the surface. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to make a circle the whole way around. That little grit is going to mar the surface of the pottery as it spins. Each little imperfection catches the hand of the potter and goes around the entire circumference. But more important than that is the condition of our hearts as we spin on the potter's wheel. Are we free of sin, both open and hidden? You know, that little piece of grit that that came to the surface as this was spinning was hidden in the lump of clay. But in the process of turning it, it came to the surface and became visible and it marred the pot, the pottery in the hands of the potter. Anger, bitterness, things can just boil inside us. Some of us do very well in keeping them hidden, but sooner or later it comes to the surface, and we need to deal with it. What will the potter find in your heart and in your clay? Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 7. Jesus, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Speaking of the church. Sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it, the church, To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That lump of clay on the potter's wheel should be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, without spot and blemish, holy for the work of the potter. 
working with the clay. Fortunately, for every one of us, God never gives up. God never gives up. He keeps on working. You know, sometimes when a potter is working with a piece of clay, it becomes marred. And we return to Jeremiah chapter 18 again. And it says in verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. Now at that point, it's done. But the verse is not done. It says, So he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. In other words, that vessel that was marred, the potter lovingly took up, maybe add a little water, formed another lump of clay, threw it on the wheel, and started over again. God is never finished. We, we sin. We fail. But if we repent and return to Him, He will always be there. He will always be there. He simply takes us into His hand and carefully needs us into the shape that He has in mind. Like a woman takes a lump of dough to make bread or rolls, my wife has been making the best rolls for years, and she has a way she takes a lump of dough in her hand and she squeezes and out pops a roll, whether it's a hamburger roll or whatever. But that's how God wants to use us. He wants to use us in that way. I'd like to look at three more things then that we have to do here with that lump of clay on the wheel. The first one I'm going to call centering. So if I have this platform that's spinning, I want that lump of clay right in the center. What happens if I get it off to the side? You that work with machinery, if, if something is out of balance, it wobbles. It vibrates. Maybe for you ladies, do you ever get a, a load of wash in the washer that was off, off balance? You know, that whole thing gets to jumping around. Well, even so, when God puts us on that wheel, we need to be centered. I'd like to make an illustration of that. We need to be balanced in our Christian life. We don't want to be eccentrics, which means off-center, out of round. But we want to be balanced, keeping to the middle of the road. You know, they say there's just as much ditch on this side of the road as there is on this side. So it doesn't much matter which ditch we fall into, but we want to keep to the center of the road. Secondly, trimming. As that lump of clay spins, the potter may take a tool and trim off something. Snip a little here as it's turning trimming. The master potter is like that as well. We don't like to be trimmed. We don't like his knife. We don't like to be pruned. We could turn to John 15 about the vine and how that all needs to be coming together. But remember, trimming is always for our good. 
as painful as it may be. Another example of that would be the surgeon's knife. None of us like to go under the surgeon's knife. It's painful. But sometimes there has to be temporary pain for permanent healing. Whether it's removing of a tumor or whatever it may be, we go under the knife to allow God to trim out what is not there for our good and for our health. And finally, the third one, which I alluded to earlier, is the fire. This bowl, when this teacher was done with it, was very fragile, not in that it would break, but very easily marred because it was still soft clay. And we can't go out in the battle against Satan with soft clay. We need to go through the fire. We need to go in that kiln where the fire is turned up and it burns and burns and burns. So when the potter is satisfied with the shape and the look of the vessel, puts it into the fire and turns up the heat, at this point, this cannot be changed in its shape without breaking it. Prior to the fire, it could still be molded, still be shaped. But once it goes through the fire, it's it's set. While it may look great before it goes into the kiln, it is useless until it's fired in the kiln. Even so for us, no one looks forward to the fire. No one looks forward to the fire. We don't welcome the fires of persecution. But unless that pottery is properly fired, it is useless. First Peter 1.7 That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. More precious than gold. We could talk about the forming of gold as well, the purifying of gold. Gold is purified by fire. And and what it does is that solid gold in a chemical process is boiled and all the dross rises to the top. And then the refiner ladles it off. And someone asked the refiner one time, how do you know when it's finished? He said, I know it is finished when I see my reflection on the surface of the gold. How do we know when we are finished? It's when someone sees my life and doesn't see me, but sees a reflection of the potter. Reflection of the refiner in me and in you. Zechariah 13 verse 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. I'd like to close with a poem that I often use in teacher training. 
having teachers come to the office for a week of training. Uh, they feel pretty frazzled when they come out of that. But I oftentimes use this in a devotional, and I'll read it now. It's entitled, The Potter's Clay. I will make you into something special, said the potter to the clay, but don't expect to be complete or finished in a day. For many changes must be taken to create the right desire, like refining gold and silver, child, You must be tried by fire. Around and round in life you're going, many things you're going to feel by changes being made each day while on the potter's wheel. So many days and nights in life you may not understand. You're more than just a piece of clay when in the potter's hand. But... When the vessel's finally finished and the potter's work is done with the clay that once was purchased by the potter's only son, you will be a priceless treasure in the master's hand each day, all because the Lord refused to throw that useless piece away. Second Timothy chapter 2, Nevertheless, the foundation of God Standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, china or dog bowls, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. That's my prayer for you today. That's my desire and God's as well. That all of us would come off of that potter's wheel as a vessel unto honor that we are sanctified and meet useful for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. The choice is ours. We can remain a dirty lump of clay, or we can allow the Master to fashion us into a beautiful piece of pottery, meat for the Master's use. One verse yet, Job 23. Behold, I go forward. This is Job crying out, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where doth he work? But I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me. I shall come forth as gold. May God richly bless you. We have a choice to allow him to mold us and shape us or to say no thanks I'll continue to be a dirty lump of clay let's kneel together for prayer oh God our heavenly father we come to you today starting out as dirty lumps of clay And yet we recognize that we are created in your image and in your likeness. 
We know that image and likeness was broken at the fall, but can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So, Father, as your children, may we be willing to continually be on that potter's wheel to be fashioned and molded and shaped and then to be placed into the kiln and go through the fire. Walk among us today, Lord. Take our hearts, shape us, mold us, and use us for your glory and for your kingdom. Bless this congregation. Bless their leaders. Bless the parents, the families, the singles. Bless the youth and children. And Father, may all be done for your honor and for your glory as we go from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your attention.